Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. It's about 3.35 in the afternoon here on the East Coast of the United States. Larry Johnson joins us now for his weekly time with us. Jerry, uh, Larry, always a pleasure. Thank you for uh, joining us. Thank I you, want Jerry. to ask you uh, some questions about depleted uranium and some extraordinary, extraordinary explosions uh, of Ukrainian munition plants. But before we do that, let's go back to um, um, Mr. Prigozhin, the head of the uh, Wagner Group. Uh, since we spoke last, the Washington Post, which, as we all know, has been a mouthpiece for the CIA for 70 years, has claimed that documents released by Jack Teixeira, which somehow the Washington Post seems to have and keeps drip, drip, dripping, Show their progression, right? I know it's absurd, but this is what they want us to believe. Uh, uh, reveal that Progosian at one point, I guess recently, uh, offered to give the Ukrainians information about the location, size, and movement of Russian troop strength in return for their leaving uh, Bakhmut. Now, how absurd is yeah. this? I would imagine if he made such an offer, he'd be in Siberia by now. Uh, he he wouldn't even make it that far. He'd be, you know, buried in a sand pit somewhere. Uh, the, the, you correctly note the first oddity is the Washington Post, unlike any other news organization, seems to have regular access to a trove of classified information that nobody else has seen. I go on the web, I can search, I can't find those documents, but somehow, lo and behold, the the Washington Post discovers this, and they get the the great secret information that Prigozhin's offering to sell out uh, Russia. Uh, it, it's just, it's utter nonsense. I think that story was generated and fed to the Post by the CIA in order to try to promote division, suspicion within the Russian military because the United States believes that there's division and suspicion within the Russian military. They believe that there is division between Putin and his generals. They believe that there's public unrest. Now, all of that's nonsense. None of it's based upon actual facts, actual intelligence, but that willingness, that desire on the part of the US intelligence community to believe such absurdities leads them into creating uh, a, a, a fable like this one being fed that Prigozhin. And remember, Prigozhin looks like a windmill in a hurricane. Depending upon the time of the day and direction of the wind, he's pointing in every single direction. And But people fail to understand, he's not, he did not create the Wagner Group. He's not a military guy. He's a front man. He was brought in by the people who did create the Wagner Group, which is 
milita Russian military intelligence and Russia's version of the FBI, which is known as the Federal Security Service, FSB. Um, do you think that the Washington Post knows that they're being used? In other words, are they seeing something that appears to be uh, from the Teixeira uh, Trove? Or are they just being whispered, uh, hey, we need a favor, get this out there, by their contacts at the CIA? This is the same, we're talking about the same organization that's carrying celebrated Pulitzer Prizes for it's reporting on abject lies about Donald Trump and Russia. So the fact that they don't even have enough integrity to hand that back makes everything that they do suspect. They're, they're, they're clueless. They don't ask penetrating questions. They just take what they're fed and they run with it without any kind of critical thinking. Does, does this kind of a headline, I'm going to read it. Wagner chief offered to give Russian troop locations to Ukraine, leak says. The date is May 14, mm -hmm. two days ago. That was Sunday. Today's uh, Tuesday. Um, yeah. do, 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 what does this tell you about the culpability of Jack Teixeira, the 21-year-old, for all these leaks? Well, let's go back to when he was discovered. He was outed uh, on April 6th and was arrested. He was in custody by April 9th. He had so been shown this stuff to his, to his uh, group, his chat room, since right, February right. of 22, 14 months earlier. Supposedly. So now what we've got is this piece of intelligence that we're reacting to it as if it was just released in the last couple of days. But this stuff is at least two months old, Judge. It's old intelligence. So if Prigozhin was really doing that, he's done a damn poor job of giving up Russian positions because go back two months ago where uh, the Wagner group was and the Russian troops were, they have continued to move forward. They've not moved backwards. They've not been surrounded and so significantly ambushed that they've had to retreat back across the Russian border, just the opposite. So that's why I said when you look at this, the timing of it doesn't even make sense. Your first reaction to the so-called Teixeira leak right here on Judging Freedom was, this is a controlled leak by people north of him. Yeah. Does this allegation about Prigozhin, Prigozhin's willingness to commit treason, what it would be, um, right. reinforce that view which you initially embraced? Yeah, absolutely. This is... This is an attempt to do what's called information warfare with Russia and using Prigozhin, playing upon Russia has fed an image to the West about Prigozhin, and the West has bought it up, that Prigozhin's in charge of the Wagner Group, that the Wagner Group is largely comprised of criminals drawn from insane asylums and prisons, uh, that the, the Wagner Group is, is really at odds with the Russian military and hates the Russian military. So let's feed that division. And this, this was a very clumsy attempt, in my view, on the part of, West, of CIA uh, to feed this narrative to the Post. And the Post, just very gullible, took it, ran with it, put it out there. And it, it, I just, just pick it apart. Again, from the standpoint, if Texera had provided this, as the Post alleges, 
then that means this information had to have come out sometime in March. Well, here we've got had all of May, all of April, we're halfway through May, and yet at no point has uh, Russia uh, been betrayed by Prigozhin. You know, they've had some very dramatic uh, theatrical moments going on, but no betrayal. Larry, you used to work there. Isn't the CIA more sophisticated than this? No. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's not. Uh, I saw it from the very outset. My uh, just just before I started my job as an analyst, I noticed all these Xerox Golden Tigers. They were computers. CIA was just getting us getting into the computer age back. This was 1986. And what had happened is when the CIA installed those computers in, in my branch, the Middle America Caribbean Division, uh, nobody had calculated what the electrical load was. So as soon as they flipped them all on, it blew all the electricity, uh, the wiring, and then they had to go out and buy new computers. So, yes, the, 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 they're not they're not as sophisticated as Hollywood would have you believe. Uh, switching gears, what is depleted uranium? Uh, depleted uranium is a it is not radioactive per se. It is it's not like you're you're picking up a, a real piece of uranium that's uh, throwing off uh, you know the electrons and such. So um, it is used in uh, a shell in a tank ammunition. And it has, uh, because it's so heavy, it has great penetrating powers and then also burns. Now, I've, I've heard from people on both sides of the issue, uh, some that I respect uh, that, that have expertise in this, and, and they're very doubtful or dubious that even if you blew up a bunch of uranium, uh, depleted uranium uh, missile or shells for tanks, tank ammunition, that it would actually pulverize and turn them into dust. You'd need something at a far, far higher temperature, such as that generated by a nuclear blast. I do not doubt that Russia itself may be the one putting the word out there that, oh, yeah, this, the, this explosion has generated this dust and it's contaminating the area in order to, again, put pressure on Britain. That they, the, the Russians had warned the United Kingdom and NATO about these rounds, and they went ahead anyway. So, are they is, are they legal the, under international law or under international treaties? Yeah, they're still they're legal. Um, they've been used. There are you know people in Iraq and in the former uh, in Serbia uh, argue that the use of those rounds does leave a, a radioactive residue and has caused health problems. Uh, others dismiss that and say, no, that's not possible. Uh, regardless of whether it is or isn't, the propaganda effect of Russia being able to claim that the British are using a nuclear type of weapon against it, that exists. That is real. Okay. And that shouldn't be discounted. The uh, tape that you sent us of the explosion, which we're going to show, it's a couple of views of it in a minute. There it is. Is this of depleted uranium? We don't know. What? what well, actually, what what we saw was, I, I think this was the first one at about five ten a.m. Uh, then there were succeeding that that explosion that just went off there was uh, a secondary explosion caused by 
uh, the ammunition detonating, there were at least three, maybe four uh, caliber missiles fired at that facility. Because mm-hmm. it's important to understand for all your listeners and people watching this, that this location is more than 200 miles west of Kiev. It's, it's towards the Polish border. So wow. this was not this was not some air airstrike with a fixed wing aircraft. This was yeah, uh, can we missiles. interrupt you for a minute, Gary? Show it again while Larry and I are talking. How much ammunition uh, did the Ukrainians lose with these explosions? Estimates are five hundred million dollars worth. Wow, almost half a billion dollars. This is a substantial amount. And understand that while we've got the images of, of what was having going on here at, at Kemel. Kemelnitsky, there was other explosions comparable in places like Ternopil. Uh, there, there have been the, the Russians have been using fixed-wing aircraft with glide bombs, caliber missiles, Iskanders, and drones at multiple sites throughout Ukraine over the last eight days. This it has been a sustained, unrelenting bombing campaign by Russia. Uh, Western media is not picking up on that and not and ignoring it. When you see an explosion like that, I would imagine that a lot of it is secondary and tertiary exploding explosions. Yeah. The ammunition that was the target is itself exploding. That was the the warhead on the caliber. My understanding is uh, a five hundred kilogram warhead. So that's that's substantial. That's a big big blast, but. When you look at the image, the, the photographs of the aftermath, uh, there are some huge craters. There was like uh, two houses or two facilities in this forest. The forest is gone, <laughs> and, no. and those buildings are gone. So what whatever hit them and what they had stored in them was certainly explosive. It did ignite, and you did have significant secondary explosions. But that that attack on that facility went on for about an hour and a half. It wasn't just confined to a one-minute, two-minute window. Can Russia ever be driven from eastern Ukraine, no matter what we give them? No, no. We, we, we have nothing that could drive them from western Ukraine, including employed our entire military. Uh, we'd be wiped out. The, Russia has a history of being invaded and fighting off invaders. And the the West, you know, for some reason is ignorant of that history, doesn't pay attention to it. Um, this is uh, Russia. They're not conducting the war like we've conducted wars. You remember when we went into Iraq, we were just bombing indiscriminately, frankly. We didn't care what we hit. Russia, by contrast, is taking care. They're making sure that they hit military facilities and fuel depots and transportation nodes. Uh, they're not just going after uh, apartment buildings, condos. In fact, that's the reason advance in Bakhmut has been so slow is because there are civilians hiding in the those bands that are being used as defensive positions by the Ukrainian troops. And rather than decimate them with these 500-pound bombs, they're they're a bit a little more discriminant in how they attack and how they uh, take control. I want to show you uh, an interview conducted by Patrick Lancaster 
uh, of a pro-Russian Ukrainian. It's pretty profound what he's saying. But before we do that, do you know Mr. Lancaster or do you know of his reputation? I do not know him personally. I know of his reputation. I've watched his reports over the uh, the last year or so. Uh, I found him to be responsible, you know, a responsible, authentic person. He's he's not on somebody's payroll just going out saying what he thinks needs to be said. Uh, he's a genuine reporter, and he's he actually pay, has paid a price in England. They seized his bank accounts, and, and, they're, and they're treating him like a pariah uh, for for the simple fact of trying to report what was actually going on on the ground in the Donbass. Right here, uh, here he is um, interviewing this appears to be a middle-aged, maybe older gentleman in Ukraine. The gentleman is Ukrainian. He is Russian speaking. Uh, Andy is pro-Russian. He has some very, very strong things to say. And I'd love your analysis. I'm going to read uh, the, the subtitles so that those who are just listening to uh, judging freedom on audio will will know what we're talking about. Sure. Or you've said those were Ukrainian forces that fired at your house. Yes. Why did they do this in your opinion? That was revenge. They have so much anger. I don't know why and who made them something bad, but this is revenge. I lived here alone and smoke was coming out of my chimney. So they fired exactly at the roof of the house so that the civilian goes away, moves away, hides, roughly speaking. I think Western and Central Ukraine revenge Donbass for pro-Russian and pro-Soviet views. They cannot accept it. So many people died. For what? Ukraine and the West said this territory is Ukrainian. Wait, if there is democracy here, there should be freedom of will expression. But nobody asked me or my city whether we want it or not. What is the reason for such a huge anger? This is about the Americans and NATO. They try their equipment, ammunition, and vehicles on us. They use all their old ammunition in such a way. Ukraine has already bought everything from Western Europe. All old ammunition is to be utilized here for what? What kind of freedom? This is not freedom. They are the occupiers. They are the ones who want to capture the Donbass. I'm sorry for being too emotional. It's okay. I understand. Do you uh, believe that that is a true and authentic interview by uh, Patrick Lancaster of this pro-Russian Ukrainian gentleman, gentleman whom he found in the Donbass? Yeah, I think if you had uh, Jack Nicholson trying to play that role, he couldn't do it. Uh, that's authentic. That's not acting. Uh, what you know, what these people have endured over the last nine years in the Donbass was they originally did conceive of themselves as Ukrainian, but they spoke Russian. They had a, a, a fondness towards Russia and then suddenly found themselves identified as enemies of the state by by the politicians in Kiev. And, and in, in identifying them as enemies of the state, they it wasn't just verbal. It was we're going to force you to stop speaking Russian and we're going to attack you with the military. And one of the things the Ukrainian government didn't count on early on was the number of uh, Ukrainian soldiers with affinity for the Donbass who defected and went over to fight on behalf of Donetsk and Luhansk. So what you're you're looking at here is 
uh, a man that's just reflecting the frustration of of the pain that he's endured uh, over these last nine years, being shot at and watching so, neighbors. So being Ukraine, killed. which claims that the Donbass, that Eastern Ukraine is a part of Ukraine, is bombing what it says it's its own territory, and particularly targeting the homes of those who are Russian-speaking and pro-Russian, killing Correct. what they even admit are fellow Ukrainians. Correct. And if I recall, Zelensky was actually raised <laughs> in the Donbass. So he comes, he comes out of that area too. Uh, which, you know, this, is, this has been going on for, you know, since the end of World War II in terms of the split in that country where the ones who live west of the Dnieper River but have had an affinity more towards Europe. The ones who live to the east have had an affinity towards Russia. And the United States has intervened in this where we've tried to really take control of Ukraine, not because we want to promote democracy and freedom, but instead Ukraine has some significant resources that we want to get our hands on. How much longer does this war go on, Larry? I would be surprised if it goes on more than a year, uh, simply because the the, ec the economics of it, from the standpoint of the United States, United Kingdom, and Europe, they're going to run out of gas. It's, it's not like we have our factories are churning away 24 hours a day, seven days a week, producing new shells, new ammunition, new tanks, new armored vehicles, new planes. It's not happening. We don't have that industrial capability. The UK doesn't have it. France doesn't have it. Germany doesn't have it. The one country that has it is Russia. So right away in this industrial warfare, Russia has a decided advantage. Uh, the, there's already reports that if Ukraine runs out of money, if the United States doesn't up its funding in June, into June, uh, the war will be over because Ukraine has no means to sustain this on its own. Without the United States sending literally billions of dollars to Ukraine, Ukraine cannot continue the fight. Larry Johnson, always a pleasure, no matter what we're uh, talking about. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Judge. If you like that, my friends, and I suspect you do, like, subscribe, and tell a friend. More as we get it. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.